What is Montrospective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is Montrospective. Well, all I can say is it's Tuesday, which means one thing. It is First Tuesday with Heather and Sarah, so I'm happy to welcome back Again, Miss Sarah Robinson from The Woo and the Do, where we are going to cover all sorts of topics that you need to know for your life. Sarah, welcome back. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm looking very forward to talking with you tonight. <laughs> so we were kind of chatting a little bit before we started recording that, you know, it appears you've been super busy, but again, you have yourself so organized that you're like, well, yeah, I'm busy, but not stressed. I got it all taken care of. I've got all my little worker bees and everything helping me out. So, um, but you have a lot of exciting stuff going on right now. Um, and I want to start with your program that you're kind of offering right now. And it's not even a really a program. It's kind of like a workshop that you're offering online for people who are kind of stuck. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is like a little, uh, a little series I have going on right now. And what I find in my work, the people I work with are, are women who um, good enough isn't good enough. Something's happening, something's shifting, something's changing, and it may have been good enough before, or maybe it was never really good enough, but they thought it should be or is or something. Um, and so those are the women I work with and they wake up when they're like, holy shit, why am I not happy? Why am I not satisfied? Why I, I should be okay right now? What's all this stuff that I've worked for my whole life? So I'm doing this little series and it's called what happened to happy. And, um, it's, it's, uh, we're just basically investigating and I'm sharing like the number one reason we're on in people in this situation like this are, um, are unhappy. And then I'm giving them some, um, guidance and some tools as the workshop goes on to get happy. Um, and actually Heather, I believe by the time this, this podcast airs, that will be um, over, but the replays will still be up for weeks and weeks. So if anyone's interested, um, that'll still be up for anyone to view. So kind of that whole feeling of something not being good enough anymore, does that really cover any topic, whether it be, you know, the work situation, relationships, you know, are you talking about a little bit of it all? Or are you finding that there's really just one particular area that people really struggle with? Oh no, it's everything, you know, like, and like I said, there's a couple situations. There's one where you're making the moves, you're doing the stuff and, and it all feels so good. And it's so great. Maybe it's great for a few years or, or more than a few years. And then all of a sudden the relationships just aren't serving you the same, or the job just isn't bringing you the satisfaction that it did. Or maybe you get there and right away you realize that it was never really what you needed. You just thought that's what you needed. So I find it most often, I work with a lot of people who are dissatisfied in the workplace because that comes out pretty quickly. Workplace or like um, relationships, uh, either parent or partner relationships. That's usually where it comes out the most, but it's all connected. Mm -hmm. So yeah. so do you find that it's almost that someone feels a sense of obligation, though, when they get to that point, they realize whatever they've done, whether it's a relationship or they've started their own business or whatever, but they've realized it's not serving them anymore, but they keep going with it is because they feel obligated to, and they have a hard time of letting go of that. Or what's your take on it? I think there's a couple different things. I think obligation is definitely a huge part of it. Um, you know, no one wants to look like a fool, right? You don't, no one wants to look like a failure. 
And a lot of times the way that we think about people who change things um, and guys, especially if you watched, I think last month we talked about human design, right? So we have some human designs that are meant to shift frequently. Um, and even if you're not that type, anytime we change our minds, a lot of times there's some negative connotations, whether that's self-talk or people around us, there's some conditioning that tells us that, well, why, why aren't you okay? Like you said, this is what you wanted. Why don't you want it? And it's just, um, so like, so there's self-talk. So there is the, the obligation factor and there is the societal expectation, the self expectation to keep going. And, and also Heather, if you kind of think about us as a society, like we're in one of the first generations where we really don't have to stick with bullshit. Mm-hmm. We really don't, especially as women, like we can go and see and do and be and own and live and do whatever we want. And we truthfully are one of the first generations of women who have that right. Um, so, and it's not a social weirdness. Um, so, so yeah, there's, I think there's a lot that's built into that. Wow. That's interesting. Cause I do know a lot of people I work with as well. Um, they are kind of stuck in that spot right now too, where it almost, their life gives the appearance that they're happy. Like everything really does seem to be going well and is all on the right track, but they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. Um, what's the best way to go about identifying what's causing that unhappiness? Well, for me, I, I have, um, I say that the reason there's that unhappiness and, and here's, here's my theory, Heather, and here's how I, how I work with my people is that we have the us that we show the world. And oftentimes this is the us that we know ourselves as the us that we've been conditioned to be the ones we've been trained to be through all the years of being taught and going and doing all this stuff. Right. But then we have our true self and this was the us we were born with. And along the way of growing up and adulting, this happens. And then I think this holy shit moment happens whenever we remember that this other self is here, we start doing the work. Maybe we're drawn to something and we're like, oh, I'm going to actually follow that, that nudge and go that direction. So we start realizing that there's this whole other ourselves who we've forgotten even exists. So, um, so I think the first thing is saying, you know, is learning who is this person? Like what is becoming, it's becoming intentional and becoming conscious of your behaviors and your thoughts and your perceptions and then try and then slowly uncovering who this other person is, who is this? And then bringing those. So then we shorten the gap. We have this gap and we bring it together. And that's what we call alignment, right? When our, who we are and who we are become one and then, or closer to one. So that's, that's the number one reason um, what happened to happy in, in that series. I talk about the number one reason that people are unhappy in these types of evolutions is because all of a sudden they realize that they aren't showing up as who they actually are. Well, what advice do you give the women you work with that are going through this process? They're starting to remember who they are and they really are thirsting to get back to that, but they are afraid of showing their true self for fear of what society will say, for fear of what their friends and family will say. Um, There is a lot of genuine concern and fear when you kind of wake up and realize I'm not living the life I want to live. I'm not living authentically. And that means a hundred different things to everybody. So what advice would you tell someone who knows they're not living in their truth, but wants to break out? Well, um, first off, I want to just see people where they're at and and let people know that um, it takes a great deal of bravery to begin to begin um, like narrowing that divide. So first off, um, it takes a huge amount of courage to begin stepping out of the who everyone's expecting you to be to get into the who you really are. So sometimes there is pushback. There are, there are relationships that struggle. There are business, there are things that struggle because all of a sudden you're showing up differently and that kind of interrupts the waves, you know, that creates waves. And I always say it's like a spider web. And when you start bouncing on one spot, they feel it, you know, even if they don't know. So what I, I, I want to say is like, if you're not ready to be brave enough to start showing up as the you that you are becoming, that's okay. Like, first off, that's the biggest thing. Like, don't, don't feel like you have to force yourself out there if you're not quite ready. And then the other thing that I find is really helpful for women, men too, is to find 
to start trying to find groups of like-minded people. You know, groups of people, and even if you don't like click with them, it's okay. Like, you know, there's different communities online. There's different things now that the world's opening back up. You know, go to, go to the metaphysical fair if there is one. Go to the head shop if, you know, that's the thing. Go to, you know, find a, a tarot reader and just kind of talk to them you know, and start connecting to like-minded people. And you know, Heather, you know, that's one of the things we do in my community is we have a women's night once a month because this process can get really lonely. Like you don't really know who you are quite yet. Mm-hmm. And so your family and friends don't really know quite who you are. And so those relationships are kind of a little fuzzy, but if you can find someone who you can say all the weird stuff that you think, or, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I get you. And you can like, just say, things that never made sense to you before but you have someone else who's like oh yeah I feel you and whether that's the woo or whether that's all of a sudden you want to become a culinary artist I mean whatever it is you know you're a CPA but you want to go into culinary we'll start hanging out where you know where the culinary artists hang out start taking some cooking classes start doing you know start doing stuff with like-minded people (laughs) um, so you can find community because community makes it feel safe I'm so happy you said that because that's what I was thinking the entire time. That's what happened for me over this past year is I found this amazing community of like-minded people who have been such a support system for me. And you're right. It's the most unjudgmental group of people I've ever known in my entire life. And we're from all parts of the world, all walks of life, all nationalities, all religions, but we all have the common goal of wanting to level up, of wanting to be better, of wanting to live our authentic selves. And to have that kind of support system is huge. And you're right. It's everywhere. You just have to be willing to step out, be a little bit brave and go meet some new people um, so you can have those connections. So that's, yeah. that's really exciting. I'm really glad you're offering um, that series. I'm glad people can still go back and watch it because I think it's something that um especially over this last year, people had some time to really think over their lives. <laughs> you know, they, they had we a minute. Of, we were kind of forced. I said, like, you know, whenever as individuals, when we go through our awakening, there's usually at least a bit of like a conscious decision, but mm-hmm. the world was kind of just shoved into it all of a sudden. Yeah. And that's what it looked like. It was like a societal spiritual awakening or a societal midlife crisis. Yeah. All of a sudden the world was freaking out. And then people in, in reaction had to make huge shifts. Like I don't see anyone running back out to put their kids in six sports. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, no, you, but I'm not seeing it happening because people got that taste of, Ooh, this can be different. Yeah. And it was, well, it was that, it was that forced pause. It was, what do you actually want for your life? If we take everything away from you, in essence, is what it kind of felt like. We're taking all the societal norms, everything away from you. What do you actually want? And there's things that I was surprised I didn't miss that I, you know, was okay with. And then there were things I discovered that I never thought I would do, like having weekly Zoom calls with all these incredible people and looking forward to that, looking forward to even that kind of connection, which was something that was completely new and different and kind of a foreign concept. So, you know, I look at the last year as a complete and total gift where I know is for so many people, it wasn't, it was hell on earth. Um, so I'm grateful that I didn't have to experience it in that way. Um, but I'm definitely grateful for the time I had to do all this reflection and really decide what I want for my life. And so for all of you listening right now who are kind of in that spot of, I know there's something else there for me and I don't know quite what it is yet. That's okay. That's what people like Sarah and I are here to help you with and, kind of kind of help guide you on the path. Um, so you've got that series and you're working on something new um, that's upcoming right after. What are you doing next? Oh, th- that is actually leading into the next the next thing. So um, my I have my I have my group program, yeah. Is that what yeah. you yes. Yeah. 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 So the series is actually part it's kind of like the preview to my group program. So I have a, a intensive group coaching program. It's called the activation and it's this exact stuff that we're talking about, Heather, it provides, cause you know, it can get, and, and for, for you guys who are in it, like, you know, some days you're just like stuck. And even if it's not because of this last year, right? Like, like I know when I came home from 
Um, I, I was a corporate worker, 60 hours a week. I had my son. I had a, my daughter before that. I got married. I had my son. And I planned to just go back to work and just keep climbing the corporate ladder. And when he came, I wanted to stay home, which was so bizarre. So like not what I was expecting to happen. When I came home, though, I, you think this woman who has a new baby and a three-year-old, she's going to be so happy. And you have this vision in your head of like what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that like totally prompted my awakening um, because I had to realize that I was scared. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand why I felt so much unrest. Like I should be happy. It was that thing. I should be happy um, and all of this stuff. So basically it, it's, I'm working with those women, those women who good enough isn't good enough anymore. And we move over the six month period um, into helping you understand yourself more through human design, through developing intuition. Um, we also have community. It's in a group coaching program to give that community that we're talking about. Like I bring the women to you. All you have to do is just commit to showing up, you know? And then over a six month period, like my clients legitimately changed their lives. Like I've had someone tell me that in two months working with me, she was able to shift her life more than she had in the previous two years trying to do it by herself mm-hmm. um, because we get that momentum of the group and also guidance. Like, you know, I know, I know where to shine the flashlight. I've done this enough times. I've been through it myself. I've helped enough people through it. Like I know where to shine the flashlight and I'm pretty damn intuitive. Um, so, you know, I can usually pick up like, oh, here's what we need to do today. And like, yeah. So that's what the activation is. It's, it's a program designed to help people up-level their lives and really let go of all the shoulds and the have-tos and the, I don't know, and questioning and doubt. Like I was telling someone the other day, my women, they're I think finishing up their fourth month right now. And you can't tell them, you can't tell them that their jobs are good enough for them. You can't tell them that that relationship is right or wrong for them. You can't tell them if you question their steps, they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm going to try it. We'll see what happens. Like that's where they're at in four months. They've gone from this place of what do I do? And like totally insane. Like I used to tell my husband, I have a room full of Mustangs and I don't want to like bridle them. I don't want to put reins on them, but I need to learn how to guide them because these are all like super driven type a want to do it gonna live the best life but they're functioning from misalignment they're functioning from a place that really wasn't in alignment with who they are and in just four months like we've got we've got oh such beautiful and this is my third round of this the one that's going on but then i'm opening a new one um it's open right now for enrollment so i just can't wait to see who comes in it's always so exciting I'm um, to see like the sisterhoods, like my group right now, two of the ladies met in the program and they're planning programs together. Like they both want to serve other people. So they're planning, doing stuff outside of the program together, you know? So you just never know who you're going to find in these things. And, and it's truly a transformational program. I, I love this one so much. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, I, I have, I have to stop and brag on Sarah for a minute too, because Sarah is the type of coach and spiritual leader and and all of that that wants to lift other coaches and other people up as well she is not someone who is just in it for herself she is sharing her space with me and with other people who are offering programs and doing things because like you said we're all in this together and we're all doing something just a little bit different Mm -hmm. that you know our our groups need. And I think that's super refreshing because you're one of the first people that outwardly said it and said, why aren't we working together? Why aren't we doing this? So, you know, I've got my own coaching program that I offer and you were kind enough to let me come on your platform and talk about it. We've got the podcast going here. So I just want people to know that that's the type of person you get when you work with Sarah. She's someone who's genuinely in it for all the right reasons and truly wants to help you. Um, selfishly, I can say that about myself too, but, <laughs> but yeah, but that's, but that's what I love about this whole community too, is that everybody wants to lift each other up and see each other succeed. Um, no matter what the process is, no matter who you decide to work with or whatever, we truly all are in this together because, um, you know, we're in a very interesting time right now, energetically where we can really truly affect change for our own personal lives, for the bigger collective, for all of that. And you Mm -hmm. actually hit on something while you were talking 
that I've heard from somebody else as well. And I'm just interested because I haven't had children. I have not been pregnant before, but a lot of women I've talked to have had this kind of awakening or epiphany or feeling after they've had children. And sometimes it's not after the first, it's after the second or the third, where something fundamentally has changed in them. Do you think that that biologically has something to do with it? You know, I think, I don't, truthfully, I don't think that I would be where I am in my journey without my children. Um, I take my job as a mom, like anyone who goes through this process without the the catalyst of children, it like amazes me, honestly, because um, I've, I, it's a lot easier for a parent typically, typically to do stuff for their children rather than themselves. And so when you start seeing your behaviors in your children, or you start seeing those little things, you're like, oh, I want to do better for my kids. You start seeing the same patterns in yourself that you saw in your parents. Um, I think that's a lot of it. You know, I do think there's probably some biological stuff that happens. Um, me wanting to stay home with my son, that was totally unexpected. Um, his birth did not necessarily like spur my, my awakening. It was all of the crap that happened because I wanted to stay home with him. Like it was all of that, that being ripped off. Um, because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. As like a small kid, if a mother of a small child would even have, and I know that some do. And so I'm, I'm not saying this in a negative way at all, but as a, as a mother with a, a newborn, it'd be really hard to focus on yourself enough mm-hmm. to be able, because that baby needs everything for like so long. But then moms, you probably see this, Heather, after the babies get old enough where they can start taking care of themselves a little bit, moms have totally lost themselves mm-hmm. because they've given everything they are to their kids. They've given everything. Every waking moment has been given to their kids. Um, you know, whether that's a year or two or some 18, depending on you know where they are in the mommy scale. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. As far as the awakening goes, I don't know if it was necessarily a biological thing, but it was definitely a psychological thing. Well, sure. and so many mothers, so many mothers live with just that perpetual guilt of doing anything for themselves because they've given everything to their children. So if there's a mom listening right now and, you know, kiddos are still in school, maybe they're elementary age, middle school age, super active, you know, what would you tell that mom or dad, to be fair, of course, um, about how they can start taking steps into becoming happier, doing things for yourself and kind of letting go of that guilt? Yeah, I, that's a great idea. And I think in those situations, I actually was talking about this in the series um, yesterday. And I think in that situation, we have to, we have to uncover our conditioning. We have to change our perspective around why we're doing the things we're doing. So the example I used was say that you've had a busy day, maybe a busy week. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just tired. Maybe it's like, you know, right during your period and you're freaking exhausted, you know, just for no, just, you're just tired because your body is whatever. And say like my kids are six, um, 10 and 13. My husband's home too. Um, or like tonight, here's, oh, here's one. Here we go. Let's use tonight. I was really tired. I was starting to feel myself get crabby. Now in the past, I would have pushed through that. I would have made sure everything got done. I would have done all these things. And um, I had the podcast with you. I totally forgot. I always forget that my kid has gymnastics at this time. Always forget. So I'm getting crabby. I'm getting tired. I'm getting snappy and parents, you know, this, this happens. Right. And so usually in the past I would push through and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to go ahead and do a real, I'm going to go do relax for a few moments. I'll come back up and I'll be better. Well, I lay down to relax and I passed out for two hours. Like I woke up to my husband walking in saying he's going to take my kid to gymnastics, which is normally my job. It's my job, right? My job. And as a mother in the past, I would have felt guilty because my husband was having to do that. That's not his job. That's my job. So I would have felt guilty. And instead I just thought, well, you know what? He's her dad. I'm going to give him the opportunity to have that ownership of that response of that. I'm going to allow myself to be nourished. I'm going to allow myself to be pampered or like with the, I think the example I gave the other day was better, but it was like, so you don't want to cook dinner, right? You don't want to cook. Well, that means I'm a bad mom. But what am I to not give my kids a nourishing meal or heaven forbid you go through drive-thru, you know, or whatever. And, or, oh, that's just going to, they, they won't think I love them. Or how about this perspective instead? Like, okay, I'm tired. I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old who are perfectly capable 
of cooking dinner. Or if they don't want to, all my kids are really good at making bowls of cereal. Like tonight, is it more important for me to push myself and have my children watch me push myself to the brink of exhaustion? Or is it more important for my kids to understand that I'm gonna rest and I'm gonna give you guys the autonomy and the control and the power of your own decision-making to figure out how you're going to eat tonight. I'm gonna give you some choices, but at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself because that's a life skill, guys. You're teaching your kids a life skill. You're also teaching them to, to understand that you aren't their chef. It's not your job to take care of them every single moment. So you're giving them, like I've, I've seen kids go to college not on how to cook. Like how, what are they gonna do? If they don't know how to cook and they're leaving the house. Like that's me scary. So as, as you have young children and they're learning, letting them make those decisions, you're doing a great parenting thing. So change the perspective of I'm being lazy, blah, 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 to I'm giving my kids an opportunity to test their skills. Now you might have to teach them beforehand, like, you know, but um, I'm giving them an opportunity to test their skills. I'm giving them an opportunity to grow into the beautiful adult that I know they're going to be. So when we change our perception of, what it means to take care of ourselves. You know, like I used to never take naps. And my husband was like, why? Why are you not taking naps? Like he's the king of naps. Um, and I'm like, well, because I have all this stuff to do. And he would always remind me like, babe, like if you take a nap, it will still be there. And sometimes it won't be there anymore because someone else is choosing to take care of you. And what a great gift for our kids to be able to sometimes take things off our plate and take part in the community. That is a huge part of, our, um, you know, of our personal growth and our personal satisfaction that often isn't spoken about, but being part of community. And like our, our house motto is um, the teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. Or the kids want me to do stuff with them. Like, well, I, I have this many things to do. If you can help me knock out a few, then I'll have time to do things with you and we can do whatever you want to do. And so you just have to reframe the way you think about stuff. Cause I know it's hard. It is hard. Like do I go get a haircut? Oh my gosh, I can't go. To ha- I can't spend that money because da, 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 da. why? Why? Hustle up 30 bucks, sell a couple pair of the kids shoes and go get a haircut. Like, you know, so I know that's a hard thing. I certainly don't want to minimize that experience, but if we change, shift our perspective into remembering that we're raising adults, we have children, but we're raising adults. And the sooner we let them begin making decisions, even if they're not the decisions we would make, they're not going to make the same decisions we would make even as they're adults. So teaching them that's okay. Young is important too. That was really a long one. Parenting is one of my things. I really like it. I used no, to really this is, it. and this is exactly why I wanted to talk about it with you because I'm not a parent and I'm not going to be a parent. I'm almost 45 years old. It's just not in the cards for me. And that's a decision I've made. My husband has made and we're, we're content with, we're okay with. And if we ever decided to adopt, obviously that is there and and we're totally fine with all of those things. But I work with so many parents, Mm -hmm. mothers specifically. And one lady I was working with recently um, wanted to level up her own life. She has dreams and ambitions and goals, but they would require going back to school or possibly moving or any of those things. And she was worried about how those things would affect her children. And that's exactly what I did is I asked her to flip the perspective on it and say, but what if you did that and it changed their lives for the better? What if they got to see their mom succeeding at the highest level possible or, you know, take them along with you on the ride, make them a part of the process, you know, show them, you know, um, how you have that ambition and drive. And Watching her eyes light up and just saying, I never thought about it like that. I never thought that it would actually influence them in a good way. I just thought all the bad that I'm going to be a horrible mother and I'm not going to have enough time for them. And someday they're going to hate me and they're going to tell me you never spent enough time with me and all of those things. But what if it was exactly the opposite? But what if it was, wow, mom, we watched you go through so much, but you were still there for us and you motivated us. And now we're successful in doing what we want to do and and all of that. And I think it's just so important to address because for somebody like me, it doesn't diminish it for me or make it any less difficult, but I don't have those little minds Mm -hmm. that I have to concern myself with. So you know, I do want to spread that message with, you know, somebody like you, who is a parent, who is a wife, who is a full-time working mom. 
and kind of work through those things because I think parents are some of the hardest people on themselves. The negative self-talk yeah, that goes through your head is yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I know mine's bad enough, but you're worried about other littles, you know, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. It's, and, you know, or you're worried about what your husband thinks or whatever. Um, so I know that that's incredibly overwhelming. It can be. I, I think, I think Heather, you did with, with what you did with her though. I mean, that's, that's the golden ticket is realizing that, yeah, you're, these little people look up to you, but you can make any situation. Like I I've heard stories about kids during the great depression and they don't remember the stories of the soup lines. They don't remember the stories of not having enough clothes. They remember that they would get together in someone's living room while the moms were changing the flower sacks into their dresses and they would get to roll around on the floor and play, or they would make up games with whatever tools they had. And those are the things they remember they don't, because they're, you make the best of it, you know, like I, we don't want to emotionally bypass and all of that. And, you know, and there are hard days for everybody, but when you get down to it, you can always shift your perspective. You know, you can always retrospective, like you said, you know, you can always change the way you see things. Um, or the way we, and that changes the way we experience it. That interrupts, this is moving us from who we think we have to be into who we truly are is by shifting our perspective about things. So we do have stories about what it means to take care of, oh, she's selfish. Excuse me? Taking a nap? No, 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 I'm not because I'm tired. If I don't take a nap, I'm a holy terror in this house. There are some days I wake up and I'm like, and I'm leaving the house. Where are you going? I don't know. When you get back? I don't know. Okay. Well, will your phone be on? I'll check it sometimes because they know I just need to get out of the house because I'm, especially when I first became a stay-at-home mom, because I would lose my mind. I was working 60 hours a week to being a full-time mom. Oh my gosh. I just about lost my shit. Like my husband walked in the door and I'd be running out while he was coming in, you know, just like, and I'm done. And I like throw the keys and, and go. Um, but it was because if I were at home, I would have been ineffective. And then more than ineffective, I would have been damaging because I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to be able to handle another moment of a baby crying or of my kids needing help with something or of me asking them to do something and they do it the complete opposite way. And then my house is disaster again, you know, so. Well, it goes back to those societal standards that are imposed on us from a young age you know, that this is what is expected of you. This is how you're supposed to be. If you stray away from this, you know, you're not a good person and you're going to be shamed. And, you know, anyone, whether you're a parent or not, you need to have that courage when you can build it up of speaking up for yourself and setting boundaries and saying when you need the time and taking the time when you need it, because it goes back to the old adage, you know, how are you going to take care of anybody else if you aren't taking care of yourself? And especially my gosh, moms and dads who are juggling so much. I mean, so many of our friends um, and their families, their kids are in, you know, 15 different programs. And I mean, even during the pandemic, I mean, just homeschooling and all of that, you know, you know, you took all the sports stuff out of it and yeah, that's fine, but it almost made it harder because, you know, a lot of parents were working from home and they were trying to homeschool their kids and it's just, it created absolute madness. But I think a lot of that too, if you are in a two parent household, it's that communication too with your spouse, just like what you're talking about. Your husband knows when you, when you need a minute, you need a minute. And mm-hmm. he respects that. And I know you do the same for him. Um, how do you approach that conversation with your spouse if that's not the world you've been living in currently? And I also want to say, even if, even without the spouse involved, because my husband's a trucker, he's, and yeah, we talked about this before we started, he's, he's not gone like for long periods of time, but there are days where all of a sudden it's nine o'clock at night and he's still at home because he broke down somewhere. And even when he does get home, he's tired. He's been in that truck for 10, 12, he's tired, you know? So even though I have him, sometimes I do function more as like a single parent household in the fact that I, you have to teach your kids those things too. It's not, they are capable of leaving you alone at a very young age. Again, it's teaching them the autonomy and that ability to be okay without you. Um, And so I just want to bring that up, but you know, the conversation, I think any conversation, any communication with a partner um, is first off, we have to figure out how we're truly feeling. 
right? And there's, I, I highly recommend um, looking up like an emotion wheel. It has like three or four le- levels to it. And, and usually you start in the center and there's like seven tertiary emotions. Like I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm happy, blah, 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 right? But then you work your way out of the ring and you identify, because what these, these big emotions are, is this, this is like the mask of our emotions. This is like the generalist statement of emotions. But when you really get down and you, and you dig, you get real vulnerable, which is what we must have in relationships with our partners in healthy relationships um, is moving, is moving to a place where I remember with him the day I, I was able to go from, I'm mad to maybe I feel really disrespected. He was like, Whoa, what? Yeah. I feel really disrespected. Well, why? What happened? Well, I've worked so hard to clean the house all day. And I spent all day yesterday cleaning the house and I was managing the kids. And I really, cause I was knew I was going to be gone all day today. And I really just wanted to go home to a clean house. And I walked in the house and you were downstairs all day and they were upstairs all day. And now the house is destroyed again. And I feel like my, I was so disrespected because I really needed that. Babe, I had no idea. I didn't know. And then my husband, he's my, I have a fucking amazing husband. Um, and then he gets up. He's like, all right, kids do this, do that, do that. He's throwing the cousins in the car, taking the cousins home, making sure. Cause he knows that I'm about, I, there've been a few times I've lost my shit, but he's just like trying to, to, you know, get the troops going because now he sees I was disrespected. I felt disrespected and that's not how he wants me to feel. So I think truthfully, don't approach a situation when you're angry. Don't approach a situation with the snap things or when you're feeling defensive. That's the, for me, I'm so, I was so defensive for so long. It was ridiculous, but learning to catch that. Okay. I have a really huge feeling right now. I need to pull myself back. I need to evaluate how I'm truly feeling because when we allow ourselves to live in that anger spot, it's hard. I'm angry. Well, why? Well, because I cleaned house all day. Okay. I didn't tell you to clean house all day, but I did. I did clean house all day. And then I was gone all day today. And then, and see, now we're totally missing the point. Mm-hmm totally missing the whole point. Now this is getting to be a debate over who's better and who's worse and all this crap. None of it matters. Let's just get to the damn point. The point is I feel disrespected. Mm -hmm. I feel like my contributions aren't being valued in my household. Oh, well, that's some real shit now. Now we can work with that. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are times too, when our partner, and you can even say one thing I love, um, especially if you have a partner like mine who works a lot is you can say, Hey, um, I have something I'd like to discuss are you open to hearing me right now? And laying that groundwork of, are you open to hearing? Cause maybe there are times my husband's going to talk to me. I'm going to say, no, I'm not open right now. I can't have a stable open mindset right now. I'm dealing with my own stuff, but can I come back to you in a little bit mm-hmm. and then circle back around? You know, it's just all about remembering, I know sometimes in our relationships, Heather, even without kids, relationships are mind fucked sometimes, you know, it's like, my mom sometimes looks at me, my mom divorced three times, my sister never married before. And they're like, you have the patience. I said, it's not about me. It's about we, mm-hmm. it's not about me. And if we both keep we in mind, then we're going to be okay. Like we've gotten through some really crazy stuff, really not so stuff, you know? And, um, and so I think that that communication, figuring out how you truly feel deep down vulnerable and then asking, do you have, are you open to hearing me right now? A lot of times when you start with that, are you open to hearing me right now? Now we have the idea that um, now we have open communication and the person, if they did have any defenses, I'm like, oh, they're respecting me. Okay. And, and you know, you can of course point out the things that are challenging. You know, I feel really minimized. Um, you know, you and I even train my kids. When you see mommy sighing a lot, Whenever you see me moving around really fast, whenever you see me, my voice start raising. These are signs that I'm getting anxious or sometimes I like to sit and they're like bump against me mm-hmm. repeatedly. And I have, I have anxiety and I'm like, please stop touching me. They hear these words. They know it's like, I've trained them. When I do this, I need you to do this. Even if I don't say that and I just keep telling them, or sometimes it'll be, Hey, I'm going to go to the room for five minutes. I need no one to touch my door. And over the years, I can stay in my room for hours now and no one touches the door because the sign is that when mommy goes to her room and she shuts the door, she needs time. I'll come out as soon as I'm ready. But it's in everyone's best interest just to leave me the hell alone for five minutes. <laughs> and so I'm putting myself in timeout now. 
and when I am done with timeout. So there's, you know, there's different things. I always think that the feeling is the thing. And also on the same note, Heather, I want parents to understand that their children seeing them have feelings is not bad. My kids have seen me cry so many times. My kids have seen me be sad. They have seen me be mad. They have seen me fall apart. And all of this does is an opportunity to continue teaching our kids. I snapped at my kids. You know, we all have. We snap at our partners, but with our kids, I'm like, you know, that was really disrespectful of me. I should not have yelled at you like that. I was at my breaking point and that was a time I should have gone to the other room and I didn't do that. And so I want to apologize to you for that. So that type of emotional intelligence, if we, if we teach that to our kids, then these boundary things are no big deal. Then when they get bigger, it's like, oh, I'm having a really big feeling right now. I'm going to time out, you know, and it's, they don't have to have the guilt because they saw mom fall apart so many times, you know, or it's not shameful to be mad. They know what to do with those mad feelings because they watched what mom and dad did. So that was like a really long roundabout answer. <laughs> no, but, it's um, just, it's just, you know, it's interesting because it feels like as an adult, we have to learn that behavior. And then now you're trying to master it yourself while teaching it to your children too. I mean, if that's something that we all could have learned as children, man, this world might be a different place. If you learned so, how to own up to your mistakes and acknowledgement mm-hmm. and show that respect to another person, my yeah. gosh, things would look a lot different right now. <laughs> you know, it's crazy too, because we, we've been doing this with my kids since they were born. Um, well, especially, and once I came home and learned like how I'm actually feeling, um, but I was a therapist before that too. So we've always done this kind of stuff. Um, but it's interesting too, when you take your, if you do raise your children this way, and we've homeschooled for years, it's not homeschooled this last year was not new for us, but it's really interesting to watch. And you have to teach your children as well, that not everybody has the same skills as you, because my kids on the playground will say, well, it really hurt my feelings when you didn't let me play tag with you. And the other kids are just like, ah, and they just go off, you know, and they don't understand how to have that language. And so you, at the same time, and same thing with your partners or whatever, you should have to have that conversation. Like not everybody has the same skill set, and you have to meet them where their skill set is. Like, you know, maybe they're not ready to talk about their feelings. So you need to go, you know, unfortunately, maybe that's the person you just can't express your feelings to. And that's okay. That's just not where their skill set is. So we're also not shaming anyone else along the process. They just haven't learned that skill yet. So it is, it is really interesting. I think all the time, like, you know, if, if we could have learned this stuff, oh my gosh, how many years of bad relationships and therapy and anguish, how much energy could we have saved on anguish over agonizing over everything we do? If we just knew how the hell we felt, Mm -hmm. how do I feel? What can I do with that? How How do you feel and how do you communicate it to someone else? I mean, that's half the battle right there. And just, you know, being that you're a therapist still are, I mean, technically, you know, you learned all of those things and you were able to adapt it. Like, I feel like that should be required learning in schools and stuff. I mean, (laughs) watching my, watching my oldest, she's still in the school system. Um, She's my stepdaughter. So she, she, we compromise with her. Right. But she's been doing online schooling and watching what they learn all day long. I'm like, is it like empathy more important than this? Like, this is important. It's good to have knowledge of this thing. I'm not poo-pooing the system, but um, like, isn't like identifying our emotions more important? Isn't like effective communication more important? Isn't knowing when to take a time out? Shouldn't that be honored? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Oh. And maybe someday we'll get there. I mean- yeah. There fingers crossed. Are, yeah, there's school systems that are doing really revolutionary imaginative things. And I, I, I follow it closely. Um, even though my kids aren't in the school system, like I want to see the school system changing um, to serve kids, to serve families and to serve the society at large. And so I get really excited when I see any sort of research popping up anywhere that's like, this school is trying it differently. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, how exciting. Let's watch what happens, you know? So well, I yeah, can't I wait to, uh, I can't wait to follow you as your kids become teenagers and see how effective all this training has been. Cause you know how emotional teenagers are. We all were one once. Yeah, so. our year old, I've, I've had her since she was four. She's well, she's, I've been in her life since she was four. Um, it's interesting though. Cause she goes back and forth from mom to me and our houses are similar. Well, me, like I act like I'm the only parent here. 
from mom to me and dad. Um, and, and our houses are pretty similar, but there are big enough differences. Um, and, you know, me and mom are, are quite different too. So it's really interesting. She turned 13 and this last year was a whole shitstorm. But I have noticed that um, she is more able, like I, I used to corner her and make her tell me how she felt because she was, she would just shut down. Like she wouldn't talk. I'm curious too, though, Heather, like people tell me now that my kid, like no one minds playing with our kids. Cause my kids are like, they'll play with anybody for real. Unless they're like assholes, they won't play with assholes. But like, we have friends with kids with a variety of, um, you know, uh, sensory processing things or, or whatever. And my kids are just like, okay, what do we need to do? Are you scared? Let me help you. Or, oh, I'm scared. Can you help me? And so it's fun to watch them in that place now. But yeah, I do. I am curious. I think my middle one will be fine. It's my last one. Whew. He's the one I'm, he's my, he's, he's, he's like his dad was when he was young and he had quite the temper apparently. And I see it in my son. It's pretty entertaining some days. <laughs> well, was that the, that's not the son who was on with us earlier, right? Oh, no way. Okay. So really quickly, her son hopped on with her before we started recording and here was what I was going to say to you about him. I would have never guessed in a million years that that's what you were going to say because mm-hmm. he wasn't shy about meeting me or talking to me. He mm-hmm. was sweet and kind and asked questions. And um, I just, I just thought, oh my gosh, what an adorable, well-mannered, sweet kid. So to hear you say that, I'm like, all right. I, <laughs> you know how it is though. Like he has yeah. two big sisters and they, they are big sisters. And so that irritates him and he doesn't get his way. He's the baby. So he still does like get upset when he, he's six. I mean, he has that, but yeah, he, him and my 13 year old, they'll fight. Like they'll, they'll, they'll go at it. Like I have like a very intelligent six-year-old. He is. He's ridiculously smart. I know. I Yeah. Well, this is the product of homeschooling and just letting him kind of do whatever they want. Like he just kind of explores his own interests and I don't know. I don't know where he came from. He's really, <laughs> he's a whole, he's a whole trip. He's I'll just watching him for a day. He can be a whole movie on his own. He's a, he's funny, but all my kids are that way. So. Yeah. Well, I hope that conversation helps some of the parents out there a little bit, no matter how old your kids are. I think that what Sarah is teaching her children and encouraging is really important just for mankind in general. I mean, I know that sounds a little hokey, but Really, if you can teach your children young how to deal with their emotions, how to talk about their emotions, um, that's going to squelch so many fights and disagreements and and all of those things um, so much sooner. So I appreciate the fact that you do that with your kids and that you shared all of that. But um, let's switch gears and lighten it up a little bit. You mentioned something that kind of piqued my interest. So um, I hope it's as interesting as it sounded, but um, you mentioned something about pleasure and magic. Yeah. What is it all about? <laughs> Before we jump over there, Heather, I'm going to okay. say, that I figured out a way to wrap that all back around to the beginning topic. So in the beginning, okay. we were talking about who we show up as and who we are. If we give our children the, the freedom to be autonomous, give them the freedom to make choices, give them the freedom to feel the way they want to feel, they don't get shoved in a box so much. So this valley between who they show up as and who they really are isn't as great. So fingers crossed, I'll let you know my longitudinal study in 20 years, fingers crossed, this allows them to have less of a divide and have a more authentic, aligned, fulfilling life because they're not doing, now they're still going to do what I, they think I, they want me to do. Like I have to remind them all the time, like you do what you want to do, whether I necessarily approve or not, like, and they're young enough. I, of course I can shut that shit down, but you know, as they grow, you know, they're going to make mistakes. And I want them to know that that's okay. Anyway, pleasure. Play no, I love, I love that you brought it around like that. You <laughs> wrapped that up with a bow perfectly. You really did. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what does this have to do? Oh yeah. That's where that came from. So yeah, <laughs> if we can, if we can raise our kids um, a little bit differently, they get to have a little bit different reality. And, and, and again, as a parent, if you screw up, sometimes it's okay. Just tell them you screwed up. Um, but yeah, so the pleasure play and magic, this is going to be coming now in my Facebook group. Um, we're, uh, in April, my community said they wanted to know more about pleasure and play play and pleasure. And I throw the magic in there because to me, it's all the same. Um, and so this is going to be, and Heather, we talked about it a couple different ones, but the one that's coming in April is actually going to be 
um, like the whole month of April, we're talking about play. What does it mean to play? Again, we'll be talking about kids again because kids have this down pat and, and kids know who they are. They were born, we were all born knowing who we are, but somewhere along the way, responsibilities and surviving, because let's face it, a lot of us have had to do some crazy stuff to make sure that we have a roof over our heads. Um, all of this stress, you know, all of this adulting sucks that we're taught is normal and you have to work hard to play hard. All that crap gets in the way of us living our lives playfully. And when you can shift perspectives and even take a really kind of crappy situation and make it playful, like we talked about with the depression, right? Mm-hmm. This is really a, a pretty scary uh, situation, but these parents were able to shift it. So their kids saw it totally differently. They didn't know they were poor. You know, mom and mom was creative, you know, dad was a hard worker. So, um, so the pleasure play and magic um, will be going on all month in my group. And then at the end of the very couple last days of the month, I'm going to start a 21 day challenge for people to um, incorporate the tenets of playfulness into their lives. So it's not going to be Heather. It's not going to be just like, I want you to go find one creative. No, 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 no. No, no. It's going to be all about increasing our awareness um, and, and incorporating the five tenets of play, playfulness, a playful mentality, because anything can be play. Driving down the road can be play. You know, like cooking dinner can be play. It's how we approach it. Mm-hmm. So we'll be um, towards the end of the month, I'll be having that program starting, just like I said, a 21 day little challenge thing that we'll all do together. Um, to really, to hopefully increase our levels of play. Cause if we can do that, then life gets to be more joyful. And then our authentic self, when we're playing, we got to be more in tune with who our authentic self is. We can start shedding some of those shows. It's like, well, maybe I should cook dinner, but maybe banana splits will be more fun tonight. And then we have banana splits and it's fun. Never has fun. And it's great. You know, <laughs> I'm so happy we're talking about this because everything you just said hit me so differently for a situation that I've been in recently. So my husband and I, now that the weather's getting nicer, have taken up hiking again. We love to go out in nature and hike and all of that stuff. Um, But going back to the playfulness tie into it, my husband has no fear. He'll go climb the rocks. He'll go into a cave. He'll do whatever. My thought process being the almost 45 year old adult is like, I can't do that. I'm going to fall and break something, you know, that's where my mind goes. Not like, oh my gosh, that's fun. Like my 10 year old self would have been crawling all over that without a care in the world. Nothing. Now as an adult, I think about all the bad things that could happen if I allow myself to do those things. So every, yeah, everything you just said was just a big old slap in the face of, well, who cares? Just go do it. Just go play. Like as a kid, I was never worried about any of that. Why am I worried now? So there's a, couple, there's a couple of tenants that you can use there then of, of playfulness. First is imagination. You're imagining all the bad stuff that can happen. So allow yourself to stop for a moment and imagine all the magic that can happen. All yeah. the amazing things. I might find a mushroom. I might find some cool, you know, whatever. And kind of allow yourself to go there. So you're shifting your nervous system. Mm-hmm. You're shifting your expectations. And also whenever you do that, you know that you start noticing that cool stuff instead of all the stuff like, oh my gosh, I almost slipped. I'm going to die. Like, oh, I slipped. Okay, cool. You know, and then also spontaneity and adventure, two more tenets of playfulness. Today, I commit to being more spontaneous. Husband goes up in the, in the, you know, into the cave and you're like, it's gonna be really cool. Maybe we'll find crystals or whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever. And then, so you can start incorporating those tenets of play too. So well, that. it's just so funny how we mess with ourselves as adults is like this, because the same thing happened when we went to Colorado. And I might have told this story already on a previous podcast. I can't remember. It might have even been talking to you. But we were up at a high altitude, super high altitude. And at the time, I was super out of shape. And to hike up to this high point, I would have keeled over in my mind. Like, there's just no way I could possibly do it. And we had already hiked this super long trail and I was exhausted. So I said, go on without me. I'll wait for you here. And then that FOMO starts setting in, you know, like I'm missing something amazing up there. And, you know, but I've already told myself, you can't do it. You're going to get stuck. You're going to get winded. But I'm watching like these 70 and 80 year old couples just hike up this hill like it's nothing. And I'm like, okay, I just, I really need to try this. And I did it. 
and I made it. And I had this whole sense of accomplishment and that feeling of playfulness when I got up there of that being elated that it was something that I actually accomplished and did. And then I got to see all these amazing things up there that I wouldn't have otherwise. But for some reason, as adults, we allow that negativity and all of those serious things creep into our heads. Why do we do that? Heather, because we have to be responsible. No, right. This is the program when we get like, you know, we have to be logical and responsible and how irresponsible is it of you to possibly break your leg up? You know, like, you know, my husband is out of shape and, but he loves to play softball every single day. He walks in from softball practice without a broken leg. I like, thank the Lord because, um, you know, but that's, <laughs> that's me. He's not worried about it. He still jumps around there. Like he's 16 years old because in his mind and his imagination, he's he's out he gets home he has to soak his knees and his ankles or whatever but you know so there's it's just that like you said it's just believing you can do it and imagining the, your FOMO was also your imagination like really just imagine what's up there imagine how beautiful that is and that you know so so yeah I don't know it's it's that life kind of just gets to you sometimes you know I get that visual of um the Patch Adams movie where, you know, Robin Williams is a goofball anyway, but being Patch Adams throughout the entire movie, he's just having fun. He's finding the joy in absolutely everything. And he's getting shut down at every turn by the powers that be that you can't do this. This is serious business. This is medicine. You can't be like this, but he pushes through and shows how you can have this joy um, for what you're doing and still be serious and everything. And I always, I'm so happy watching a movie like that. And then I go into my own life and that other side takes over again. So I'm excited for that. That sounds like it would be really interesting and a fun challenge for everybody to just say, you can have 21 days of fun. Like it's, yep. it's time to get out of that comfort zone and remember what it's like to just be a kid and let go and not have a care in the world. Right. Yeah. We can, and we can all carve out 30 minutes or an hour or an afternoon you know, it it doesn't have to be, you know, whatever it doesn't. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm putting it together um, right now. And, and I'm, of course I'm, you know, Heather, I'm a big old like neurology, psychology, sociology nerd. So I'm doing my research as I go when I'm reading these research studies and like, I, I love this stuff, but I don't always just based on like my experiences. I I do read science a lot lot, (laughs) and bring that into it too. So like every time someone has like, when you were talking like, I want to say, oh, well, yeah, I was reading this one research study, but I, you know, we don't need to get into the research studies. Patch Adams is good. Well, I mean, you could have done that. That's just, you know, for um, a layman like me, that that's just what I go to. That's what I relate to like that. (laughs) I think that's a perfect example though, because you, you get to see how he takes. So this, that, I mean, that just goes to show us that like, if Patch Adams can take terminally ill children and make that into something playful. Yeah. Like I can make dinner playful. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I can make chores playful. I can make these things something that we don't all dread. Um, so let me tell well, you. Along, along the same line, what are your thoughts on, and I don't know if you've seen this yet or not. You probably have heard about the concept and you know what it is, but I think it's Jennifer Garner has the movie Yesterday out on Netflix where the whole premise is you give your kids a day where you have to say yes to whatever they want to do with some stipulations, with some rules. Have you ever done that or have a thought or a theory on that on whether that's a good thing to do? Oh my gosh. This is like a shit show. (laughs) Well, to be honest, the movie kind of was, but um, I'm sure it was designed to be that way. But I think it was during this past year, during the pandemic and everything like that. I think she um, kind of adapt. I don't know that she created it, but she kind of adapted it of letting her kids have a yes day and they got to choose whatever it was they wanted to do that day. And she had to say yes to it. And again, there were some parameters, some basic rules, nothing illegal, you know, all that stuff. But, um, but you know, it was, it was kind of like that shifting perspective of almost, um, uh, having some respect for the kids and allow, and, you know, you'd be surprised what your kids come up with some of the simplest, easiest things too. So, um, obviously you haven't done it. If, uh, you, uh, no. you know, had that reaction immediately. <laughs> I've never done a full day, but what I was saying is like, that's how we, like our school is that way. We run a, we have a very, um, 
loose, I'll say loose um, education approach um, because it's very much based on what they want, very much based on what they desire. And so while, you know, we do a lot of what we do is based on, hey, guys, do you, you know, like I'll give them ideas or whatever, but, um, but I mean, a lot of our life is designed around what they want. That's what I'm saying. Like if I actually gave them a day where I said they could have anything they wanted, they would go so extreme because so much of their life, like seriously, okay, Sage. So are we doing for the next week? Are we going to do, are we studying art or are we doing history? History. Okay. What book do you want to use? You want this book or that book? Mm, let's use Netflix. Okay, cool. Let's use Netflix. All right. And like, this is how we, you know, this is how we edu- do our education in our house and a lot of other stuff too. Like I let them decide what we're going to have for dinner. I let them, you know, we're going to have family day. What do you guys want to do? You know, or whatever. So I think with my kids, it's just that they've gotten so used to having decisions that, <laughs> that I was like, all right, guys, you can do anything you want. They'd be like, anything let's go to Florida like that is pretty much like their their go-to is let's do something so extreme that we normally wouldn't just do so yeah that's that's what I'm saying at my house would be no no, I very we very much let our kids make decisions around um even chores like I'll give them a list or whatever but I'm like do whatever you want figure it out however you want I don't care get it done you all split it up and they figure the stuff out like they decide who's doing what how whatever um yeah. I, I, you know what, Heather, there's too much stuff in the world to worry about than to worry about every single movement my kids make mm-hmm. there's too much. I don't have, I have no desire to sit here and micromanage my children or my husband. Like I, I have enough stuff going on with myself. Maybe that's another thing we could tell parents. It's like, and I know it's hard. I know it's scary. And like, I gave my husband the job of making sure chores got done a while ago or teaching that to them. Cause I just don't know how to teach children how to clean. I know it seems like such a simple thing, but I don't know how to do it. And I do everything else. So he's like, and I'm like a very vinegar and baking soda. And that's me. I'm like super hippie. And he's like bleach and Lysol. And so he's, I, he said, okay, I'll do it. He's like, but we're gonna have to do it my way. I'm like, I know. It's like, <laughs> go to the store and get me all my supplies. Cause I don't have anything here. I know, but I decided in that moment that it was more important for me not to have to teach them chores than for me to have my way, you know? So mm-hmm. and that's the same thing with our kids, the yes day, or, you know, allowing our spouse, heaven forbid, to parent a child in a different way that we would. What? You're not going to follow our routine? Well, no, because it's dad and dad and mom don't have the same routine and who, who cares? You know, are the kids alive? Yes. Sweet. And we keep moving, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's a yes day. I think I've heard of that before. I think yeah, it just came out. It just came out a few weeks ago, but the whole concept I think has been around for a minute. Um, but well, yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna take a look. We might watch that together. I'm sure I'm the kids watch- would love it, and it would probably give them tons of ideas. Just FYI. <laughs> yeah. Well, we and we have like you know we when they were little we'd like write little pieces of paper of like all the stuff they want to do and throw it in the jar. So like whenever we were bored, we could just pull something out and we would do whatever that thing was. That was when I was like a super awesome, high achieving homeschooling mom. And now it's, we just roll over and look at each other. Like we doing something today. <laughs> Let's bake cookies. All right. That sounds good. Let's bake cookies. <laughs> you know, so. Hey, that way works too. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we all get our needs met. So, and they seem to be smart enough. So, I mean, that's good. <laughs> well, I think we have covered about everything that we need to cover in this episode. We, oh, we did a lot. I'm, I'm impressed with us. <laughs> I would say like, we just did the whole damn thing. Like, we, we really did. Bottom all around and kids and parenting and shoot. Solving and the world's problems one podcast at a time. And you know what? It all goes back to the same original thing. Who we show up as and who we are and how we, we bridge that divide. Because it's all, it, this is all the thing. This is all the thing. Well, tell everybody how they can get involved in uh, your activation program and participate in the 21 day challenge and all the, all the stuff, all the things. Sure. So the activation, you can go to www.thewooandthedo.com. You have to put that www in there. Otherwise the redirect does not work. I am not technologically inclined. I do not know why. So um, there on the homepage is the information about the activation. You can either just enroll there, boom, do it. Or if you want to talk to me first, um, 
just book a clarity call. They're free and we can go through and maybe help you find some clarity on a situation. You're stuck, you're overwhelmed, you're confused, you want some help. Um, go ahead and, and book a clarity call with me and let's see if I if we jive, if we work well together and if that's something you want to do. Um, and then the other way you can get in touch, I'm most active on Facebook. And I just, Heather, I just changed the name of my group to the Secret Sisterhood Circle. So that's on Facebook. It's a private group. And I don't have anything about, actually, my group doesn't even know about the 21-day thing yet. So, um, well, they may, but I don't think so. Uh, so that's where you'll be able to find information about that and and get in on that um, as the month progresses. That'll be towards the end of the month. But, but yeah, that'll be there. Well, awesome. I'm excited for all of it. I can't wait. And now we've got to figure out what we're talking about next month, which I'm sure will be fantastic. I've got um, no doubts about it. I already have <laughs> ideas. So don't you're an endless mind of ideas. You've got so much going on up there and I love all of it. I always learn from you every time we talk. So I'm thrilled to death that we're doing this every single month. So thank you again for joining me and um, we will see everybody the first Tuesday of I guess it would be May next. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. The first Tuesday of May. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Heather. Remember, your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.